quickly. It's a draw. It's a draw. And then she gets it back. Oh, you're kidding me. And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unthinkable. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Inner Circle podcast where... Sherelle McMahon and Bianca Chatfield will be with you chatting all things netball. And Bianca, the World Cup is finally underway. It's so exciting. It felt like it took so long um, to get here, but now it is absolutely all systems go, isn't it? It's so intense and it's so tiring, isn't it? Watching all these games. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been, I've, I've loved it. I've just, it's been really great. And it's been really good to see so far how well the Aussie girls have been going. Yeah, and we talk about how intense the start of this tournament is. It's intense for the entire tournament. Really, it'll be eight matches in 10 days yes. by the end of it. And we've just heard uh, the Australian Diamonds coach, Lisa Alexander, come out and say that she questions the format and thinks that although this is a new format, maybe they need to have another look at it because, A, that is too much. Why are we trying to cram it into 10 days? And, B, the matches, uh, the blowouts that we're seeing aren't that exciting for people watching. What What do you no, think? No, they're not. No, I agree with Lisa. I think if netball's going to keep moving and becoming more professional, that we probably can't put that kind of pressure on the athletes' bodies to play and back up every single day. We know how tough it is. You know, Super Netball's only getting more physical and they're playing one game a week. So it is a very big difference for them to be able to play every second day or every day. Um, you know, and I, I don't know if it's to blame, but you look at the injury that's happened to Layla Guscoth from the Roses and you think – you know, she did her Achilles and she's out and they don't get to replace her. So now England are doing a game a day on 11 players mm. and they don't even have the ability to rotate as much as, you know, what every team with 12. So, you know, I, I think that is really concerning. Uh, I think if you're going to have a game a day, at least if you get an injury, let them let it someone come in as a replacement player. Yeah, it, it really does become a war of attrition. It's, yes. you know, who has that fitness and probably in some ways that advantage, well, actually in most ways, that advantages the more professional countries because yeah, they just have that better fitness base than some of those um, lesser nations that just, they don't have the, A, the resources and they don't put the time um, into the athletes that, you know, the likes of Australia does. Yeah, can you imagine some of the other countries, you know, Uganda, Barbados, you know, they're not even used to playing at that intensity normally, letting alone having to do it every single day. Yeah. Like that would take a huge toll. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I hope it doesn't take the enjoyment away from it um, because we're certainly seeing some very happy faces out there on the netball court. Zimbabwe have been amazing yeah. to watch them and, you know, their skill level, they're really good. Like they, they would only need a few more of these tournaments before they start putting more pressure on. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I think that in a major tournament, there's always a team that comes up and just kind Kind of captures your imagination and this tournament in Zimbabwe it's their first yeah. World Cup and you know they have been so exciting to watch and their responses to some of the wins they've had really have been amazing and this this is the flip side to the argument that Lisa Alexander has um, that the blowouts aren't good mm. because without having these nations here at the World Cup you don't get to see the the different styles and that's right you know these amazing stories of 
Um, you know, even Peace Proskovia, we know her story from Uganda where she fought and fought against her father, against her community, against so many different barriers to be able to play netball at this elite level. And these are the stories that you get um, by including these teams. And I know that although the the margins are huge, mm. there is, I don't know, there is something special about seeing seeing them do it. Sometimes you feel a bit... Sorry for the for yes. those uh, nations in a way, but I think that they love going up against the best in the world, and I don't like the idea of taking that opportunity away from them completely. No, I don't think we take it away, and that that becomes a tricky part too because you know the money comes into it. Then you can't expect these countries to be play, to be paying to go over to Liverpool for accommodation for you know. What was the Cricket World Cup? Six, seven weeks? Like No one could afford to do that if we dragged it out over a longer period of time. And that's the reality of netball. So, you know, I agree. I love watching them play. It's been really exciting so far. And I'd love to know, Shaz, what are you thinking of the Australian attack lineup so far? What's What do you think is your starting seven going oh, off their form? goodness me. That is a mean thing to ask. <laughs> <laughs> it is so tough to pick. It really is. I think... Um, I think Kelsey Brown has done a really amazing job in this lineup in wing attack. Going into the tournament, I just thought you would play the world's best wing attack yes. in wing attack in yes. Lizzie Watson. But I don't know, there there is something about their combination that is working really well. Now, the, the challenge is that when the real pressure comes on, whether that still stands up. But I think that you probably give that a run Yep. Um, at the beginning. In the goal circle, who knows? Throw the bibs up. <laughs> who, who knows who is going to do well? Because we continue seeing seeing Caitlin Thwaites shoot um, incredible figures. Um, uh, she was 100% again, 22 from 22 last night. Yeah, they Malawi, had a win. Or tonight. Well, no, we this morning against <laughs> this Malawi. Morning. Um, they had a big win and it was tightened up for the Australians in that second half. There were some changes made and they were 41-5 up at halftime and won the second half 33-20. Um, so certainly much tighter in that second half. But Caitlin Thwaites again sitting at 100%. Steph Wood 100%. Um, I've really liked their combination. Mm. Um, Caitlin Bassett is still, you know, she was umpired interestingly in a, in a game. What what game was that earlier that in the That was the first game. The first game played. that they played um, against Northern, Northern Ireland, Ireland or Zimbabwe, I no. think maybe it was. Okay. Yeah, but she – so it's an interesting – thing for her to kind of manage how the defenders are coming off her body, which she's used to it being so close. Um, but I still I still think it's probably that Caitlin Bassett gets the nod yep. just for the bit of a get out of jail free card. With and Steph Wood at goal attack. Well, yeah. Or, prob- or not. Pro- no, probably. Okay. Probably Steph Wood. <laughs> I mean, it's hard though because I think you can mount a very good argument for all four of those players. Yeah, definitely. So it's tough. What about the defence end? How have you seen that play Well, out? I've been really liking seeing Joe Weston at wing defence. I don't think you necessarily put her there straight away, but I like that she's been able to play there, got player of the match uh, the other night. But it, she's just been providing the hands over that they need to stop a tall shooter. So I like that she can do that. She can get in the way a little bit. Um but I, my starting seven would still be 
Courtney Bruce onto Joe Weston with Jamie Lee Price. Yep. And then the change up would be to bring Weston onto wing defence and um, April Brandley onto goal defence. But in saying that, Sarah Clough has been great to watch. She has. She gets hands to everything. She plays a goal defence role where um, she's still tracking her player. But then once she's in the circle, she'll sit back and it's like having two goalkeepers in that circle where they're both coming out flying at balls. I like that she adds that X factor. So uh, I probably wouldn't put her in the starting seven just yet, but I definitely think she's not far off. Not far off. Uh, the other one I actually really liked is Paige Hadley when she went on to wing defence against Sri Lanka. And again, it, it is a bit tough sometimes against these, these nations to get a really good read, but I thought she did some really nice work in that wing defence position yeah. as well. So she, she certainly knows how to dig in and just do that yeah. hard work. And so let's not discount Paige Hadley for yeah. either that wing, probably that wing defence or centre position because she is doing some um, really good work there. Um, but what Lisa is showing us, all of us who question that wing defence position is, hey guys, don't you worry, I've got options. We've got some coverage. (laughs) And good on Lisa Alexander because we spoke to her on this podcast a couple of weeks ago and asked her about the approach that she took with the rotations of of players through the Commonwealth Games, even up to that final where she was still having chunks of players only playing a half. Yeah. The approach seems to be quite different this time. Yeah. So I guess that remains to be seen. If that continues and if that's helped her pick what her starting lineup is, I guess it's still tough. One quick one I wanted to throw at you is the side-by-side courts. Now, that is changing <laughs> as of tomorrow. It's becoming yes. one court. How do you think that that would have gone for you? Well... Look, to be honest, I think once you're on the court, you just ignore everything anyway. So it's not like you are necessarily getting distracted by it. But I think as a fan in the crowd, that's when you're getting distracted, when the other team's cheering on the other courts and the crowd's going wild. And you, That, to me, would be really difficult. But wasn't it like that in Singapore? Um, in Singapore... Yes, I think there was a couple of courts initially. Yeah, right. they were kind of not side by side. It was a weird setup in Singapore, actually, and then it became one. Um, yeah, I, I think it would be fine. Like, I think when you're out on court, you do block these things out. Um, but when you would, when it was Zimbabwe playing on the other court, I, I reckon if I was playing, I'd be like, "What is going on over there?" Cheer for me, guys! Yeah. Not for them. Yeah. So that that was another interesting one. But as we say, that does change now. And the silver ferns just tracking along nicely. And you know, I've noticed the three guns in Maria, Laura, and Casey all <laughs> picking up player of the matches as they're going yeah. along. I cannot wait to see what happens when Australia takes them on. I know, which will be tomorrow, tomorrow evening. Yes. Um, that will be amazing. Casey Kapoor, how amazing is she? She's I such know. a great athlete. I mean, she took that time out and she's just come back and feels like she hasn't really missed a beat. On that side of the draw, though, um, Jamaica's out. So yeah. they have now lost against South Africa and New England. Zealand. Uh, sorry, England. Yes. Um, and... That means that they can't possibly win now because or win through to the semis because we've got the last match against England and South Africa, which will be fantastic yeah, to, can't see. Wait to see. That. You know, South Africa going so well. Can it stack up against one of the best teams in the world? That will be so interesting to see. But, you know, both you and I tipped that Jamaica might go through all the way to the final and they just haven't quite got there, which they will be absolutely shattered about. I feel like this happens not 
to this probably extent, but this happens quite a lot in that they promise so much, mm. but then when it comes down to it, they can't quite deliver it. Yeah. And watching their games, uh, they just – you can I mean, you can tell that they don't get to train together very often really when you watch them and there's just a lot of mistakes and a yeah. lot of errors and – and having Ramelda Aiken and Janiel, just it doesn't work for them, does it? Having two big shooters no, well, that you can't necessarily play together. And when they try to play together, I mean, Ramelda's obviously not at her best anyway. No. Um, yeah, it's just not working for them at all. Well, you wonder that the impact of that injury she had leading into this World Cup, um, that stress reaction. Um, I think it was in the end in that um, leg of hers. So she hasn't been spending much time on court. And, and again, for me, it really highlights, you know, sometimes we look at, um, you know, we've got some tall holding shooters right throughout the Suncorp Super Netball. And I think some it's easier to kind of go, oh, well, that's an easy game because you just chuck it up in the general vicinity and they pull it yeah. in. Well, no, they don't. No, they don't. Actually, they don't. And so I think it really highlights the skill of the players around those tall yes. holding shooters. This is a really good example of it. You can't just chuck the ball up. You can't. So, and, and players like Beckford just aren't putting up enough goals yeah, either She to has been a big disappointment for me because she's got such a great long shot, but she just either A, hasn't been putting it up, yeah. or when she has, her accuracy has just been really poor. And you said that last week, she can be very hit or miss. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, she hasn't been able to support whoever's that shooter in much of a way at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which maybe that's kudos to the defenders that are coming up against these tall shooters now. Yeah. You know, defenders know how to play against them a little bit better and, you know, you know how to kind of psych the goal attacker out so that they don't want to put up the shots. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned it before, Layla Gusgoth, and what a devastating injury uh, that is. Another joining the club that you don't want to be a part of, the Achilles Club. Um, so a long road of recovery ahead for her. And as you mentioned, England not able to replace her. So Ebony Usoro-Brown doing a reasonable job. It will be interesting to see how she goes because she will be spending a bit more time out on court now yes. um, as this tournament goes on. Um, yep. Big test for them, obviously, against South Africa coming up very, very shortly. Um, we're going to get on to our guest, B. Is there anything else you want to talk about before no, we do? No, I think, I think <laughs> let's, let's go to uh, our guest who's actually in Liverpool at the moment and talk about all things that are happening over there. Yes, Michael Hutchinson. And people probably don't know that name. Maybe they do. Um, netball fans certainly would He's a stats absolute guru, sits guru. on the sidelines in the Suncorp Super Netball um, and has got a brilliant mind uh, when it comes to netball and analysing things. So we're going to get the numbers off him. We're also going to touch base with the assist, one of the assistant coaches, the goaling coach for the Australian Diamonds, Megan Anderson. So let's get into that because let's we can't wait to those chats. Welcome back, everyone, to the Inner Circle podcast. Bianca Chatfield and Sherelle McMahon with you, as is our first guest for this podcast, Michael Hutchinson. He is a netball stats guru, self-proclaimed. <laughs> Actually, we're proclaiming that. Michael, hi. What is it like being over in England at the moment? Oh, it's, look, it's pretty uh, frenetic, to be honest. There's what's happening, um, several matches every day. Um, it was pretty uh, nerve-wracking. I feel some tension in the air, I guess, um, when we arrived here in Liverpool. But um, the excitement's really taken over the last couple of days as the teams have really got into the swing of things, the fans have got into the swing of things, um, really got used to their surroundings. And, um, yeah, it's been a pretty great tournament so far. Tell us about that. What's the What was the tension about? 
Oh, just, I guess, you know, getting the, the first game underway, I guess, there's always a bit of excitement about how your team's going to go, um, whether, you know, England are going to be able to walk the walk after they've been talking the talk over the past 12 months. Yes. Um, and, you know, particularly from an, an Australian perspective about um, how the lineup's going to really roll out and evolve over the week. So what have you been loving? What, you know, from the actual netball play, what have you been loving? Um, I guess you're seeing the different styles. Um, you can see a bit more aerial play through... Um, Teams like Fiji and Samoa, you see um, the floorboards getting good workout with the likes of Zimbabwe and Malawi and Uganda. <laughs> um, and, you know, they obviously play a, a different style of defence as well. Um, in fact, the Malawi uh, game against Australia, there was a, a few body checks uh, that, uh, you know, were let, let the contest go, which was um, good to see. So I guess the evolution of, of teams um, and particularly some players as well. We can see athletes play um, during Suncorp Super Netball, and then in a, an international environment, um, you know it's, it's another level again. So to be able to see a group of um, you know players come together in a different mould, um, in a different facet, a different coach, and a different um, playing style as well has been really intriguing to watch. Well, let's get into the diamonds, Michael, because that's what we've been trying to dissect and analyse. And who would we start? What do the stats tell us, particularly in the attack end? What is the most prolific combination? I don't know if you can even tell us that, but what is it looking like shaping up to be from your point of view? Oh, gosh, my mind changes every five seconds, to be honest. <laughs> different conversations that you have with different people as well sort of um, manage to convince you otherwise. So, Caitlin Plates, I think she's only missed one goal over the first um, four matches, which is just incredible, but... Um, I think the Gretel Tipper Caitlin Bassett combination seems to me um, to be a favourite of Lisa's at the moment, particularly to start. Um, we've just had the Malawi game as well, and I actually don't think Gretel Tipper's been really unleashed yet on the international stage. I think she's playing the conservative style that Lisa wants her to play, and she's playing it very well. Um, Seabass missed a few sitters today, but that's highly unusual of her. Um, and accuracy has been pretty much in the mid-90s across the board. So um, given that there's been so many combinations that have been trolled in the attack, and it's, it's a bit of an unknown at the minute, and everyone's got their own opinion about who's going to start where against the Silver Ferns in a couple of days' time. What about the midcourt? Who would you have at wing attack? Oh, I see. I've, again, changing every five seconds, I've... It really depends, I think, on who you start at goal attack. If you're going to start Steph Wood, you'd start Kelsey Brown. If you're starting Gretel Tippett, I think you'd start Pace Badly. But Liz Watson's got that centre position on lock. Um, and I think that that mindset that Paige Hadley brings um, and the calmness, I guess, that she would bring to Gretel's game would really be advantageous for her. We know the lightning combination of Bassett, Wood and uh, Brown uh, works really well. Uh, but whether that's going to be able to be picked apart some teams like England or South Africa, particularly with Carla Pretorius or England as well, um, whether that's going to um, have some sort of impact in the way that Lisa starts the line. Yeah, so you, you're thinking Liz Watson definitely at centre, which for me, my mind coming in, I was like, you play her at wing attack, that's where she is an absolute gun. But isn't it interesting in these different environments how the different players actually cope? Because even as you said, Gretel Tippett, her role has to be a little bit different in this um, in this team and whether that's completely suited to that, that, that. Those are the questions that they'll have to be tackling. Yeah, I guess the other thing too is that whether Lisa has actually been 
focusing on playing combinations within line because I don't think we've actually seen Australia's best seven and I don't think we've... We definitely haven't seen them play um, a full 60 minutes together. And the question mark that is also whether that's um, a good sign leading into a match against someone like New Zealand. Um, you only get one shot unless you're going to play them in the final. So... Um, it's a game you you want to win, um, and there has been some um, conjecture amongst you know my friends that are here and people I've, who I've spoken to about whether um, Lisa holding the cards so close to her chest in terms of her preferred lineup is actually going to be advantageous for the team. Yeah, I think that like from our experience, usually like especially at training, you putting your seven out there a lot, um, but also you're doing it. You don't necessarily need it all out there at once. You know, you can have your defence end, and that's still valuable of having your seven that you'll put on in your defence end and then having a different attack end in the second half. Like, I still think there is a lot of value in how Lisa is mixing it up like that. Um, I want to ask you about New Zealand because that's our next game and, you know, their lineup and putting Bailey Mess out at wing attack, do you actually think that's going to be an option? Um Mine, looking at the way that she plays, I mean, she was first picked as a wing attack. I think she played one quarter for the Mystics at wing attack back in 2012, whatever it was, and she was picked for the Silver Ferns on the back of that. Um, because back then, people could see that she had such great attacking now. And she's really um, one of the best defensive attackers in the game. Um, so I think if you're wanting a little bit more height and a little bit more um, defence from you know a, a mid-court, then her pairing with Laura Langman's been pretty good so far. Um, but in terms of the Silver Ferns lineup, I actually think they played their starting seven against Northern Ireland um, this afternoon with uh, Maria Flower back at goal shooter. And I've been saying it for three years that Maria needs to be back playing yeah. goal shooter and having either Amelia Ann, Ekanasio or Bailey Mays out in front of her. So, um, or both, as it turns out. If, if Bailey's in wing attack, it's both out in front of her. Well, yeah, and I guess that's, there's, an, there's an option there for them. I mean, Gina Crampton hasn't been playing badly at all, and in fact, she's been driving to the pockets really well. The combination with Lauren Langman's coming along really nicely. But I think if, if they're looking for something that's, that's not there, I don't know that they find that through Shannon Saunders, because um, I think she's more of a centre than a wing attack anyway. So if they're given that they're going to be a little bit light on there, that Bailey Mets for mine is a really viable option at wing attack if they need to. What about the other game that we'll be seeing in a couple of days' time too, uh, England up against South Africa? That'll be the last game that decides what these semifinals will be. Jamaica, a bit unbelievably for me, just out very early. Um, are England, we, we spoke about the Layla Gusketh um, issue with her coming out of that group. What, what do you think the impact on England that is that going to have? Um, and can South Africa come up against one of the best teams in the world and match it? Um, I, I wasn't too surprised about Jamaica falling apart. I think Paula Thompson was a really important cog through the midcourt and her height and experience and leadership was really missing. I know people keep talking about Shamira Sterling and Janelle Fowler, but if you look historically at Jamaica, um, they've had a tall goal shooter dating back to the 80s with Patricia McDonald and then they had Carla Borrego and Elaine Davis um, and now they've had Romelda Aiken and Janelle Fowler and they haven't done any better than a bronze medal. So you really have to look at the 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 country from a team perspective. And Paula Thompson um, was a real linchpin for them. And, and so the, the midcourt was a bit short, and I think they didn't really know what to do with Vangeli Williams, whether she was best suited at goal defence or wing defence. So for mine to see Jamaica not performing as well as they, they could have wasn't overly surprising for me. Um, in terms of Layla Guskett's injury, um, I think 
So the question for Tracy Neville was whether she shifts Serena Guthrie back to wing defence, which I think would be a wrong move, or how she plugs the wing defence role. And given that you've only got three circle defenders now and you wouldn't probably want to play another one of them on court at that time, they're really stuck with either uh, picking between Jade Clark um, or Nat Panagari. Um, And I I think Australia has the best 12 athletes in terms of a team um, of 12. And so I, I... not surprised. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised to see England being found out if they can't cover that wing defence position, um, you know, through the likes of Jade Clark or Nat Panagari as well as they would like. Losing Beth Cobden is was a huge loss for them because I think yes. she was player of the match at that Com Games Good final point. last yep. year. Um, you know, she did her job so well that it allowed Ebony um, Yusora Brown to do her job and, and as well as Jeeva. That made their life so much easier defensively. So um, they're a little suspect across that area and I think... Um, South Africa's match against Jamaica just really showed that they can um, pull themselves out of a bit of a rut as well. They led by, what was it, 10 or 12 goals at one yep. stage. They got back um, really close. I think they were even in the last quarter. And then to be able to pull away just showed the heart and the character that that South African team have got. We know that South Africa can beat England, um, but whether they can do that in the last match of the round... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. This England crowd and the way that these England Roses <laughs> players are, are acting after a win against anyone, just um, they, they think they're unbeatable. So, look, I'd like to see South Africa pull them off a peg. and uh, you know, <laughs> No, not yet. Let's just do it in the final. <laughs> yeah, or, or in the final. You know, I'm not too concerned. But, you know, I guess if South Africa do finish top and Australia finish top, it means Australia would play England in that semi-final. Yeah, um, wow. So, you know, th- then there's a whole lot of other... Um, you know, sort of dynamics at play there that you can read into. So um, I, I bumped into Norma Plummer over uh, pouring my cornflakes this morning at breakfast <laughs> and uh, she said to say hello to you girls and to keep your fingers crossed for South Africa this week. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Oh, I can't wait to see how well they continue to do. But um, lastly, I just want to know how many Aussies are over there. You say the England crowd is huge. How many Aussies are there to support our girls? It feels like there is a million Aussies here. Like <laughs> yes. Um, they've just changed the court configuration today, which allows for about another thousand spectators. Every England session has been sold out here for quite some time, but the Aussies are loud. They're in green and gold. You can see them a mile away, and I've been able to meet up with people who I met eight years ago in Singapore, so it's been really lovely. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Michael, on what is a pretty exciting eve of games to to come um, as we get to the really pointy end of this tournament. Um, I cannot wait to see what Lisa Alexander does, <laughs> what team she puts out there, and the changes perhaps she makes against this New Zealand lineup. Thanks for your insights. It's always fantastic to chat and enjoy the rest of the tournament. Will do. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Oh, that's great. Michael Hutchinson there. As we said, it's a he's a netball stats guru. He's a so guru. It's great to get that insight from do you. Do you know one thing I love though was talking about England and how um, you know they are confident and they're not shy about it. And I look at their social media posts after a game, and they're in the changers and they're posting all this <laughs> stuff, and them all mucking around. And I can like if that was us within the diamonds, that would be shut down shut, very shut that down. <laughs> quickly. That would not even be allowed to happen. It's a very different approach, isn't it? And very well, different. it kind of worked for them in the Com Games because they were very confident during the Com Games as well. So. Can they match it? Well, that's it all right. You hope, you hope they can. Let's uh, talk to Megan Anson, shall we? Let's get inside the Diamonds camp.
Joining us now on the Inner Circle podcast is the assistant coach for the Australian Diamonds, or at least one of them, the attack end, Megan Anderson. Megan, great to chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fantastic to uh, get an insight into the Australian Diamonds camp as uh, we get to the pointy end of the tournament. I actually think that your job is a bit tough at the moment, not because the girls haven't got form, but because they all do, particularly in that attack end. It is, uh, you must have been doing some great work with them. (laughs) Yeah, definitely got some headaches coming up in the next few days for sure. We've been talking about it constantly. Who's your top seven right now? Who's your top seven right now? And um, it changes just with whoever's on the court because everybody is playing so well. So. Yeah, look, it will definitely be tough and I think it'll be more like who's going to match up well against the opposition at the time. It might not necessarily be the same seven the whole time, which which is kind of good because it'll keep everybody guessing. In preparation and going into these early rounds, even though we know the teams that you're playing weren't necessarily going to challenge you that much, what was the focus for the shooters? Um, well, not necessarily just the shooters, but the whole attack end. We're really focusing on keeping to our processes and our structures so that we, um, you know, work things out. We had lots of goals that we wanted to achieve by the end of the week and, um, yeah, just really staying focused on that because in those easier games you can really get carried away and start to rush things and be a bit sloppy. So we really wanted to concentrate on staying super sharp and, and working things out on the go as, um, as we went along in those games. And I think we've done that really well because there hasn't really been many quarters where we've dropped the ball and um, let the other team back into it, which is really pleasing. Yeah, that's one of the things I've loved is no matter what changes have been happening, the the team doesn't seem to be missing a beat. Um, Do you think that we've seen the starting seven yet, Megs, out on court? Um, I don't know because we've played so many different combinations. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I honestly don't know. I think... um, it will just be who we think is going to match up against the Ferns on Thursday. So we probably have seen it. Uh, look, we've played a few combinations a couple of times. So, yeah, you might have seen it. But, um, you know, if they're not performing, then we've got three or four people on the bench that can jump in and do the job. So um, it'll be a tough one and because um, the Ferns are looking really good as well. Yeah, it really is. Um this is the important time, isn't it? Things really need to start clicking. We spoke to Lisa Alexander uh, a couple of weeks ago on this podcast and she did say that one of the things that kind of came out of that Com Games and the approach that they took was that perhaps letting the players run out those full matches was of benefit um, and that that's what you guys wanted to do. Do you feel like that that has been a focus and you've been able to do that in a good way so far? Yeah, look, we um, obviously I wasn't there, but that was something that definitely came out of it. And so we've deliberately tried to do that. And everybody has had a full game at some stage in the first five games. So I think that just instills some confidence in the players that they can run out a, a tough four-quarter game because if you're only playing half, you know, half games along the way and then you've got to suddenly play four quarters against New Zealand, it can feel a bit tough out there. But um, you know, especially for the attackers in these games that we've had so far, like we're scoring 90-odd goals, so the ball is down your end double the amount of time. So you're actually probably playing six quarters of netball in terms of running around. So, um, yeah, I think everybody's feeling really good um, from having those four games. As assistant coaches, what other roles do you play? So I imagine you're having to go out and watch other teams play, watch the videos back. You know, can you just give us a bit of an insight into your actual role on game day and at training? 
Yeah, so game day, obviously, there's not too much to do because, um, you know, we're just reminding the players of what structures we want to run um, during the game and what we might be thinking about we want to try. So, you know, we'll have something that we've been working on for the last couple of games and we're just kind of tweaking it and hoping that it keeps lifting. Um, but in those other other days, we're yeah, definitely watching lots of video and we've been back to the court to see a few of the other teams live because it's never the same on a video and yeah just sussing out what they're doing and if there's any patterns of play that you know we might be able to combat or throw a spanner in the works for them so it yeah as an assistant coach really doesn't stop it's actually harder than a player <laughs> I think I've discovered because you just absolutely non-stop because you go to all their training sessions <laughs> and you've got to do all the video stuff for them and um yeah and and get them ready for the game so it's really good though I'm loving it and um the whole support staff here is just unreal. So it's been a fantastic tournament so far. And you've also got to support Lisa. What is she like to sit next to? Give us the <laughs> real story. <laughs> well, I actually am thinking in these first five games, I'm like, I don't even really need to call out right now because the crowd is so loud they can't hear me anyway. <laughs> Lisa and Claire just do the double the talking than I do. So I just wait for the breaks and say things nice and quietly. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty much deaf in my right ear. At the <laughs> uh, quietly going about your business, Megzy. That's the way you've always approached your netball career. Hey, five matches in five days. I know we've heard Lisa Alexander come out and say, you know, how tough it of a program it is. How is everyone holding up? Yeah, I think there was a bit of fatigue today in the game, which is understandable. Like um, we were just saying that, you know, none of the girls will have played five games in five days for a long time. You know, it's the schedule that you have at nationals when you're younger, but um, probably like three or four years that any of them have played that. So they've pulled up really well. Like they're supremely fit and super strong. So um, aside from the full matches, we've been rotating pretty well. So I think most of them, you know, considering it has been five games uh, have pulled up pretty well but understandably they're a little bit fatigued and looking forward to the day off tomorrow. I know there's obviously the big game against New Zealand coming up. Do you look even further forward and kind of pick out who you would prefer to play in the semis? Nah, look, we're literally only going one game at a time and and that has even been for these first five games, really only looking at the the next game that we've got coming. Um, Yeah, just to focus on the very next game because, you know, you'll trip up if you look too far ahead, I think. So literally just just that next game. Well, the next game for the Australian Diamonds, of course, is up against the New Zealand Silver Ferns. So it is a massive one. So I don't blame you for focusing on that, <laughs> on that. one. Yeah. <laughs> next, Megan. Now I'm going to go trawling back through the games that we've already seen and try and pick out what that starting seven was. You've said that we've, okay. prob- we've probably seen it. So I'm going to try and pick it before the game happens in a couple of days' time. We really appreciate your time, Megan. I know it's a, a busy time for you. Hopefully you've got a bit of a time now to go and just have a bit of a relax. I think you've got the night off. So enjoy yeah. that and the next Thank few you. days of this World Cup. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. No worries. No worries. worries. See you, Megs. Obviously, fantastic to get those insights from the coach, Megan Anderson, from the Diamonds. We were actually lucky enough on the Breakfast Club on RSN, my breakfast uh, radio station that I'm on on a Wednesday morning, to catch up with Caitlin Thwaites too. Uh, here's a couple of her insights about her experiences across the World Cup so far. Yeah, I think we've been really clear around what our um – you know, processes are, and even in our training blocks, kind of leading up to tournaments like this, we've made sure that we've got the amount of um, 
what we refer to as load into us so that we're not um, having like a big jump up in terms of what we're having to put our bodies through because that's when we see injuries and things like that happen. So um, I feel like we've had a really good preparation in terms of getting our bodies used to that kind of load that we're putting ourselves under in the tournaments like this. So um, the ability to be able to back up, it's, it's, even though it's competition phase at the moment, um, we're, we're pretty well conditioned to that. So that's a good thing. And um, yeah, I think we just um, have a much heavier focus on um, on our recovery to be able to get up the next day. The challenges that we kind of put to ourselves are focusing on what our processes are um, ourselves, wanting to try and get our um, our strategies, our plays, all of those types of things um, really well set so that when we are coming up against some, some tougher op- um, opposition as the week kind of goes on, we've We've already got that foundation of, of the timing of each other. All of those types of things is already pretty pretty well set um, as a result of those earlier games. So I think we probably focus a bit more on ourselves in the in the early rounds, and then um, and then we take a bit more of a look of um, of what the opposition are doing out there. Um, and you know, now that we've got five five games under our belt, and everybody else does, we've actually got um, a good amount of footage and. and um, games that we can analyse on the opposition as well. Our old enemy from across the ditch, New Zealand, coming up in a couple of days' time. Um, Very exciting. This will set uh, the semi-finals layout on the other side of the draw. England and South Africa are playing, so that will determine, depending on where we finish, who we come up against. But the Silver Ferns, they've kind of been flying under the radar, fourth in the world, if you can believe it. They're ranked fourth at the moment. have you been having a look at them? Are we going to bring them back down to earth, please? That's the plan. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, we have been. Um, we've definitely been having a look at what they've been putting out, and I think um, you know since their um, com games um, at the end of last year, Nolene has done um, you know a bit of a bit of a reboot of the team. They've picked um, some different personnel um, in that group and, um, yeah, we've definitely been keeping our eye on what they've been putting out there and which combinations they're kind of um, favouring potentially as their, as their top lineup and um, the way they're operating. And, you know, it's, it's always such a huge rivalry for us and, um, you know, to, to have had a lot of intel on them previously. I think it's really good. So we're, we're going to knuckle down and look at a bit more footage um, over the next day. Um, and, yeah, just really kind of, um, I guess, iron out what it, what we're wanting to do um, in terms of our structures. But I think, you know, we, we know the way that New Zealand play in terms of their zone and wanting to try and promote those long cross-court passes that they're going to go and um, try and pick off. So um, we'll be, you know... Using, using our smarts um, in terms of trying to trying to keep away from what they're trying to do. B, it's been another great podcast. Um, great to get those little bits of insights into I what know. is happening over there. Um, by this the time next week, we we're going to know. know. We'll know who the world champions are. Uh, the <laughs> girls, um, the athletes will be probably back um, you know, the ones coming back Stoves into Suncorp Super into Netball, they will be back on Australian soil. Um, so I think the plan is for most of them to hit the ground running because it's only then a couple of days before the next round of Suncorp Super Netball. So um, hopefully for all the teams, well, already the Adelaide Thunderbirds have been impacted with Layla Gusketh, but hopefully, fingers crossed and touching wood, there's no more injuries. Everyone's back here in a good yeah. state of mind and a good, good physical state. That's right. It's very exciting. Make sure all of you out there enjoy 
enjoy the netball over the next couple of days. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us once again on the Inner Circle podcast. If you are tuning in, don't forget to rate us. Hopefully it's highly. Uh, We've been kind of keeping a bit of an eye on that and that's been going very nicely. So thank you for everyone who has done that so far. And please keep those ratings up because it keeps bumping us up. And And send us any questions on Twitter. We are happy to answer them. Absolutely. What's your starting seven? Let us know. Oh, yeah, let us know. (laughs) All right, V, see you next week. Bye.